Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 315 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today we are covering mixing up your meal plan and staying consistent for results, which mixing it up and staying consistent kind of sound like different things, but we're talking about how to keep things interesting, not get into a rut, while also sticking to your food as medicine goals, macros, and ultimately just staying consistent with consuming real whole foods. Yes, this episode could not come at a better time. The week prior to Halloween, when we're starting to see all of those refined processed chemical shitstorms hitting the grocery store shelves and all of the impulse places like maybe your secretary desk at work or at PTA meetings or you name it. And this is really a time to hone in, create some self-discipline and get in the groove so that you can not be disrupted and find yourself feeling off, inflamed, bloated, and all of the other things that come with eating off plan. Uh, If you have not checked out episode 228, exploring your macros and meal planning, in that episode we go a little bit deeper into your carbs, protein, and fat, different ranges, and how to balance your macros for best body composition results. So definitely go on over and check out episode 228. Um, Today we will talk a little bit about, you know, making sure you're still hitting your protein needs and how to consider buying enough protein for all of your household members and so much more. Uh, It's going to be a great listen. So sit back, relax, and make sure that at the end of this episode, beyond the aha moments and realizations, that you make at least two or three commitments of how you're going to change how you meal plan in your household, or maybe you are inspired by some flavor combinations that you totally forgot about, or maybe even some featured food ingredients that we list that have not been in your repertoire that you want to bring back into rotation. Yes. All right, before we do that, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode. I actually can't think of someone better for staying consistent uh, than NutriSense. Yes, NutriSense provides you a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, that is going to provide you with real-time glucose data. And no time like the present, especially in the slippery slope of sometimes holidays, to ensure that you are accountable than wearing a CGM on your arm that tells you 24-7 what's going on in your blood sugar. You know, many of us know that with accountability and tracking, whether we're using MyFitnessPal or carb calculators out there, that often we can deviate or we can maybe omit some entries and maybe we will adjust the portions that we ate and downplay them and what we're recording. But the ultimate accountability is seeing metabolically what's happening from what you're consuming. So if you're wearing a CGM, you cannot forget about that slice of cheesecake that you had after your dinner. You're going to see the blood sugar ramifications. And that information can be used not just for shock and awe and fear, but to actually empower you to know that when you eat on plan, you maintain optimal metabolic status. But when you fall off, you're looking like a type 2 diabetic. So it is really 
really cool to see specifically what happens with your blood sugar and based on your carb intake and your dietary composition, so also how much protein you had at that meal or how many grams of fat you had at that meal, as well as the size and volume and frequency of eating, how this over time impacts your blood sugar regulation. So you may have used a glucometer in the past where you've done some blood sugar sticks, or maybe you've just had a fasting glucose run when you do your annual blood sugar, or maybe just that hemoglobin A1C, which is a little bit more detailed, giving you a three-month average, but a lot can be going on. Maybe you have a 5.4% A1C, but you still are getting blood sugars that are fluctuating from 80 all the way up into the 160s and beyond. So having a CGM is going to be the best way to take out the guesswork from the equation because you get to see your personalized response to food as well as exercise, food frequency and timing, sleep quality, as well as stress. So I also think that stress tends to kind of increase during this holiday time and often anxiety and stress can leave us externally seeking and craving, but seeing the influence of your blood sugar from stress alone could be enough to help you to really get consistency for results with your supplementation. For instance, I see that when I'm consistent with Calm and Clear and GABA Calm, especially at my witching hours of transition time of stress, that I'm able to take my blood sugar from peaking at 144, which is an epinephrine, adrenaline, fight or flight cortisol response, all the way down to a regulated value in the 110s. Um, so definitely you'll learn about what is your Achilles heel in blood sugar balance and how to stay on track. And then you're buying yourself that two weeks of accountability of really everything that you're putting in your mouth being seen by this CGM. So if you feel like you're on a slippery slope, definitely go on over to Nutrisense.io slash AllieMillerRD. When you do that, you'll land on my landing page. You can scroll all the way down so you'll see my face on the page, Nutrisense.io slash AllieMillerRD. Um, you can scroll down all the way and for podcast listeners specifically, you can get a one-time use of a CGM from Nutrisense for $175. They are direct to consumer, so you don't have to worry about a doctor's prescription. They take care of all of that for you. You do have to provide some personalized information because a CGM is a prescriptive device, but they have their own staff of physicians that fill that for you and you just get it drop shipped direct to your door and you're able to apply it and put that on. Um, anytime we talk about Nutrisense, we'll also link our YouTube videos that teach you how to put on the device and things to track and pay attention to. So I'll definitely put that in today's show notes. Um, but when you go to that page, you have the option of that one-time purchase or at Nutrisense.io. You can also use the code AllieRD. And when you use AllieRD, you save $30 on your first subscription. Many people like to subscribe to a CGM through Nutrisense because they learn data and information and trends that first two weeks of wear, and then they wanna make some modifiable changes, and then maybe six weeks down the line, wear another CGM and see how the results shift and if they're really able to harness and hone in on that Achilles heel or that imbalanced area within their own personalized blood sugar results. So again, it's Nutrisense.io slash AllieMillerRD and then use the code AllieRD to save $30 off your first subscription. All right, let's kick things off with just talking about the importance of First of all, having a plan when it comes to meal planning and feeding yourself and your family. Yes. So we all have to eat and that's an important thing to acknowledge. And we have to take ourselves out of that 
reactive, making food a stressor of another thing to do, and just making this our norm. This is not extra work. This is just a part of our weekly routine and ritual. And I really encourage when we're thinking about planning and having structure, discussing the planning time with the other members of your household so that they're also empowered with your selections that you make. Um, Meal planning is going to be a great way to go into the grocery store with a direct list of the ingredients that you need. This is going to save time, money, and energy. And then when you have your meal plan laid out of the meals that you're producing during the week, you'll have less stress, less food waste, and you're going to have optimal eating because you're controlling the balance of your macros as well as the quality of your ingredients going into every meal. So this means that you can work with your children in your household and identify the four different non-starchy vegetables that you're going to rotate. And then you determine, you know, which one goes with the almond flour chicken piccata. And maybe that's the green beans with that. Maybe it's the roasted asparagus with the wild king salmon that we're going to do on the cedar plank on the grill. And then we're going to do the roasted cauliflower with truffle salt with our pan seared pork chops that we finish in the oven. And then we're looking at doing burger patties with with sweet potatoes that we're turning into sweet potato fries and we're doing that with a side of roasted broccoli and garlic salt yes all sounds really delicious even as a baseline of just inspiration and it really can be that simple too absolutely you know i think that when i think of family meals for our household it's often as simple as selecting a protein and then selecting two non-starchy veggies and then an optional optional starch and then for stella she always gets a fruit at her meal as well which is usually going to be a low glycemic berry but you know in the summer we'll definitely rotate things like slices of watermelon and um, as we get into the winter time we explore a little bit more starchy veg and then at that time we may omit the fruit altogether sure Um, and I think having that you know day where you lay out the week so usually for our household that's a Sunday or maybe it's a a Saturday if we really want to get a jump on things lay out the week again discuss with family members and you know do the actual acquiring of the foods and the grocery shopping for the week and we have a deep freezer so oftentimes that looks like hey, let's do inventory and see what we've got and see what we need to purchase fresh. So often my meat is being pulled direct from the deep freezer. I've got, you know, bulk packs of ground beef. So I know I'm going to take, you know, one or two of those out depending on if we're making burgers or if we're making bolognese and we want leftovers for a couple days, I might do two packs. Um, And then, you know, I might be picking up like fresh fish or um, a certain cut of, you know, chicken if I don't have it in the store in the deep freeze but I think having like a freezer stash and having a relationship with a farmer is really key for like the protein piece of that yeah and not having to like buy all of your protein at once feels a little bit better on the budget I would say Most definitely. And when you buy in bulk like that, you're often going to get better pricing and directly support those ranchers. And then as far as connecting with the farmer's market, as far as produce, a great way to dance with different heirloom varietals. So you're getting nutrient dense foods that aren't going to be 
uh, you know, traveling as many miles, aren't picked early, are actually coming to their best fruition and probably harvested that morning that they're bringing it to market. So you're eating produce that's, you know, three to five days old versus upwards of two to five weeks right. old. When we're talking about even the organic head of cauliflower that came from California and, um, you know, has also then traveled in a truck and at various temperature and then was stored at the grocery store and moved about multiple times. Um, definitely that's a big priority of going direct to the source. Absolutely. And, and just gives more inspiration to like keep things interesting and seasonal too. Yes. Um, so yeah, choosing that day of, of laying things out. And then I often will start my meal prep that same day for the week. So Sunday afternoon or evening, um, I would do a batch of like nut flour muffins, or maybe I made um, almond butter banana pancakes for a couple of, of days that I will use, you know, for Noah's breakfast or snacks. I'll use yes. them for quick grab option uh, for Byron and myself throughout the week. And then we'll also get something going usually that same day that's a slow cooker or a just batch meal of sorts. So I'm thinking about like the spaghetti squash casserole um, being a favorite, especially as we're now in fall and spaghetti squash is, is more in season and, you know, that warming food is more welcomed than in the summertime um, or doing like our slow cooker carnitas, which is what I did last week. And um, we're going to be eating them today after being away for one night. So it's nice to like come home to leftovers. Absolutely. Nothing like having meals ready on Monday. You know, yes. we have the like Sunday scaries is often a trend for many because Monday is typically for people their first day of the work week, first day of school, whatnot. Uh, And so to have Monday ready with a meal that you prepared on Sunday is a fabulous technique. It just gives you one less thing to worry about Mm -hmm. on your Monday. And then I also love having leftovers midweek as a goal. Uh, So I know there's nothing better than a Wednesday or a Thursday that has a leftover meal. It just gives me, I think of it literally at like 8 a.m. It's like as I'm getting into my clinic flow after I've dropped Stella at school, I'm like, oh, Yes, we have that leftover naturally nourished pot roast. And all I have to do is roast a pan, a sheet pan of vegetables, and we're rock and roll because everything else is in that one pot dish. Um, So definitely something to consider. I I like to pre-prepare on Sunday my Monday meal, just like Becky said, and then have leftovers at one of those hump days, if you will, in the midweek to just give us that hands-off approach. And then simple, simple, simple on the other days of the work week. And then either Friday or Saturday, maybe Sunday, Um, would be a choice where Brady and I do a meal that's more labor intensive but we'll play music Um, we may put on a movie for Stella if we want to kind of like turn it into a date night for Brady and myself and um, that's a great way to just spend time with your food and that's when we have fun getting creative with flavor profiles because that's the main event if you will of the night is like the meal preparation and so doing that on a Friday or a Saturday is also a really great technique because it keeps you inspired in the kitchen and playing with various flavor profiles. Totally. And maybe that's the like, we choose a new recipe from, you know, our favorite food blog or from us. Um, yeah. <laughs> from the 12 um, week keto meal plan and, and experiment with like one new recipe per week versus like feeling like you have to cook from a recipe every single Absolutely. day. I think that's a big hump for a lot of listeners and a lot of clients is they see the 12 week meal plan. They're like, Ooh, I don't want a new recipe for every day. But I often tell them, I'm like, half of these are like 
barely recipes. It's searing a protein and roasting a vegetable and then getting comfortable with, you know, maybe adding some different components of herbs, seasonings, spices that change the flavor profile, but it doesn't really change the amount of time that it takes yes. to make. It doesn't change, you know, the way that that we're preparing the food. It makes it, you know, super simple and, and straightforward, but you can also have turmeric roasted cauliflower, you know, one week and then truffle yes. roasted cauliflower yes. the next. And it feels like a totally different dish. So I think another concept of making meal plan mix up successful is thinking of it as a matrix or like a plug and play, if you will. So Becky, you mentioned the slow cooker carnitas uh, in the keto meal plan, the 12 weeks keto meal plan, which we're offering you guys. If you missed it three weeks ago, we did a flash sale on the 12 week food is medicine keto meal plan. Uh, it's usually what, $39, is that right? And we're doing it for $10 off? Yes, $10 off. And so the code is? The code is KETO10 for that $10 off. Awesome, so you can use the code KETO10 and you can get all 12 weeks of our recipes and menus and a weekly challenge and a grocery list and just really get into the flow of how we balance flavor profiles, textures, proteins. You'll never see chicken, chicken, and chicken, for instance, in a week of our 12-week keto meal plan. And um, for just $29 with that Keto 10 savings, it's a really fabulous value. You get the whole 12 weeks in one purchase as a download, and then each week you get a release of an email that will give you that weekly challenge, kind of hone in on some of the big highlights of that coming week and then give you each week as well so that it kind of titrates out so you're not overwhelmed but then you also get kind of the cookbook option of having that all compressed as one file Uh, but I was just thinking in the world of plug and play when you mentioned the slow cooker carnitas we did the warming version of Mm -hmm. the carnitas which is a lot uh, more of like a holiday type flavor profile so there's a lot of warming flavors in there there's garam masala there's cinnamon very different than your slow cooker carnitas that you do in the summer with your lime and your tequila and your cilantro and your shishito peppers that's kind of the hot weather version and then the cold weather version we think of a savory spiced um, experience both shredded pork both using a pasture-raised pork shoulder or rump roast and totally different experience and outcome. Yep. So using the same exact, you know, searing technique, using the same exact deglazing of your pan technique that you learn, you know, the first time you make it. And then there's so many infinite ways. And I'm sure we'll riff another carnitas someday in the future as well because it's tried and true. It's so good. Both of them have beautiful reduction sauces as well that we deglaze the pan. And the summer version never really made it into, I don't think, any form of a recipe pack uh, where I take like actual half or full avocado and uh, raw garlic and crush it and use some of the drippings and often I'll use like the no politos bone broth from fond um, and that makes a really good creamy bright and I'll use oh cilantro stems in that yeah um, so that's a really bright acidic with the lime juice that I add in there but spicy kick um, still a really good creamy mouthfeel with that avocado whereas the winter one again uses more of those warming flavors and we put caramelized onion in there and, and some butternut squash too. yeah so you roast the butter not to do as like a side dish or um, put over a um, delicious herby goat cheese infused salad. Yes. Um, and then you actually use some of the butternut squash to like thicken that, which is delicious and a nice little 
nice little riff. Yeah, and that's literally how we come up with recipe development is like, okay, well, if the summer version used avocado, (laughs) I want to use something that has soluble fiber that's going to thicken and bind and create a nice creamy mouthfeel. And I'm in the winter. uh, I'm going to go for butternut squash. I play with it in the kitchen. I adjust the flavor profile, and then I get to share the recipes with y'all. So the good thing I will say is when you do follow our recipes, they're tried and true. And then you can have those weekends that you play or you do more of our complex recipes and really enjoy your time in that kitchen space. Totally. And I love about the meal plans too that we've built in all of the food as medicine goals and principles that we have for you guys. So your two to three cups of leafy greens daily, that's taken care of if you just follow the meal plan. And there's always kind of options to level up and add some extra greens into a smoothie here or add them into a bone broth meal in a mug there. Um, we rotate the proteins, like Ali said, not just the type of protein, you know, be it chicken, fish, pork, or beef, but also the cuts so that you're getting a variety of amino acids. We use a ton of bone broth in our mm-hmm. recipes. So like all of those little goals that you're like, how can I possibly do yes. all of these things every day? It's built in for you, which is kind of nice too. Absolutely. Um, cool. So let's talk a little bit about um, how to choose like quantity of yeah. the amount of meals to make and um, the plan for leftovers. So I think generally the way we created our meal plans is that there's going to be two or three times that you might rotate a dinner into a lunch um, or you might, we didn't allow in our meal plan, um, 12 week meal plan product any repeats for an entree for dinner we kept dinner all different um but that was just to give you guys a a vision of variety in the real world application i probably like i said count on leftovers at least once a week Um, and i love to plan that midweek um and then i'll do like one labor intensive meal or two one would be started on a sunday the other one would be a weekend experience and then the remaining for uh, times that we are producing food, it's going to be kind of plug and play, simple, um, two to three ingredients like salt, pepper, and one herb, <laughs> and then using a quality fat. So I might be searing in duck fat, or I might be searing in pasture raised lard, or I may be searing in um, a combination of ghee and coconut oil, just kind of depending on what type of flavor profile I'm going for. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, a general rule maybe for, for buying protein is a good place to start too, because people are like, how much should I buy? And if they don't have like a recipe in front of them, it can just become, you know, a free for all at the grocery store. We buy way too much or we get home with too little and we realize like some family member is, you know, eating a quesadilla instead, or we're not going to have those leftovers. So, um, general rule of thumb is half a pound of protein. This is raw, like purchased from the butcher counter or frozen, um, half a pound per adult in the household, quarter pound per child. Um, you're going to see some of that, you know, cooking down in the process and some, you know, cuts more so than others if they have more fat or have a longer brace time. Uh, but this should already allow for some leftovers. And then you want to multiply that by the number of days you plan to eat one recipe. Then you get a little bit of bonus stretch of leftovers. Or, you know, if your husband is uh, working out in the gym and looking to gain muscle, maybe he does a double portion of protein and you've kind of accounted for that within that half pound per person. Absolutely. And I know for certain, for fish, this is the most frequent purchase for me because we do the big you know, shares from ranchers and, um, often, you know, I'm purchasing for instance, like 
uh, if we do a ribeye and it's over a pound, um, I'll still with a ribeye because it's a fattier cut, I will still add another steak, mm-hmm. but I might then do like a sirloin. And so for Brady, myself and Stella, you know, we may be looking at about um, a pound and three quarters of protein. Mm-hmm. And that may allow us a couple leftover sirloin or ribeye slices to then use in a steak quesadilla. Otherwise, we're probably going to crush that. (laughs) And I would say with fish specifically, I know that our family intake is one and a quarter pounds. Um, One pound leaves us all scrapping at who's getting seconds. Yeah. (laughs) And one and a quarter pounds we demolish. But if I go to one and a half pounds, then there's a little bit of leftover. And and in our household, I don't care for leftover fish. That's the one that I won't do leftover. Um, Whereas any other savory meat-based protein, including poultry, I'm always good to then kind of go above and beyond and then we incorporate that in a different way or in the same way just depending on what the dish was yeah we're the same way with fish unless it's the um crispy fish tacos from the anti-anxiety diet that's true or the wild cod nuggets from the 12-week meal plan if it's like a breaded yes um with almond flour fish i can get behind that on the second day but i would never stretch that to like a third day or, or eat it midweek Um, And I think, you know, planning extra protein to use in lunches is really key here too, especially if you are, you know, taking lunch with you to work or you're packing lunch for kiddos. Um, That's something I'm like super vigilant of right now with Noah starting school of like, okay, what are we having from dinner that he can then take tomorrow? Is it a burger patty? Is it leftover chopped up grilled chicken thighs? Um, Do we need to just make a batch of hard-boiled eggs because we didn't really plan super well? And that's always like an easy midweek go-to and you throw two of those on a salad and you're good to go. Um, Or thinking of quick grab proteins too. Like we always have either, you know, in-house roasted turkey or uncured ham and um, salumeria salami always as a staple in our our cheese drawer. Yes, I was going to say Stella has salami at least twice a week for her lunch. And then uh, if we're doing a rotisserie chicken or like I roasted a whole chicken or even if I did chicken thighs, she's not going to do well personally with like a leftover chicken thigh intact. I will take that off when it's warm. It's a lot easier to work with chicken than when it's cold in the fridge and it kind of shrinks and gets Mm -hmm. tight to the bone. Um, And so before I like take the extras and put them in a glass Pyrex, I will just debone most of our chicken thighs. We find in our household that that's an easier way to use that protein and make sure that it gets thrown into a quesadilla or um, gets thrown into maybe like a simple olive oil-based dressing to just keep it moist and add some flavor into that. Uh, and so she'll do that, you know, a couple times. And then she's really good with like grass-fed burger patty that we, again, maybe grilled the night before and just cut up and she'll do that cold. Uh, and then also I'll do that like in-house roasted turkey or if I'm at the farmer's market and they have brisket yeah. or roasted turkey, like pasteurized turkey, uh, doing that with um, like a roll that with like a piece of cheese. Uh, she loves eating kind of cool combos like that. So I might even make it like a wedge where I take like a chunk of um, sal- a chunk of lettuce and then I will fold that up on the, Q-t- on the Q-tip, excuse me, the uh, toothpick. And I'll take a toothpick um, and get like the, you know, um, So she gets an exciting thing to kind of play with as a little kebab where she has a cheese, a turkey, and a wedge of lettuce. And she loves that. That's so fun. I can't wait until Noah actually starts eating salads. Right now he likes to just point out that mama and dad are having salad and he's having roasted broccoli again. As he gets more and more into (laughs) dinosaurs. That was what got her was the dinosaurs eating the greens and like letting it kind of hang out of her mouth. And she thought that was so funny. We were like, you're eating like a dinosaur. (laughs) That was what did it for her. 
I love it. Maybe age three will be yes. the salad year. That was her dinosaur birthday yep. party. Yep. So I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so as we're going through and kind of shopping and, and the great thing about our meal plans is they provide literally a shopping list for you that's broken down like this. But when you're going to the grocery store, if this is like a quick grab week, what are the big things that you prioritize and look for what's going in your cart and how do you kind of conceptualize it? Sure. So we're thinking about at least four, if not five different types of protein. So this could be beef, which uh, we'll talk about the sourcing and then we'll talk about the cuts rotation. So beef, chicken, salmon or snapper or wild cod, but some form of a wild caught fish should always be included. And then always eggs and a full fat Greek yogurt, maybe as far as like a breakfast rotation of a protein choice. And then that still gives you room for one more. So you might do pork, you might do lamb, you might do bison. And then within that strategy, you want to think of different cuts. So you only want to do one of these meats ground. You want to do one of them in a filet form or like bone in, skin on if it's chicken, bone in if we're talking about pork chop, for instance. And these types of cuts, you're going to be basically pan searing um, completely to finish or pan searing and finishing in the oven. Then we're also looking at doing a larger multiple pound, like three to five pound cut often of a shoulder or a roast. And that's the one that you could often prepare on your Sunday to have ready for Monday. So that could be um, if you're talking about like doing our pot roast and using that in a big cut of beef or in the carnitas, this would be pork shoulder, for instance. Um, And then I often will do like one more in a filet type style. And that's usually how I get my fish is just like skin on. And we just pan sear the skin down first, flip it, and then finish that in the oven. Or we'll just uh, do in the oven 10 minutes per inch of thickness uh, for 450 degrees. And again, super, super simple. Thinking about choose your fat, choose your flavor enhancer, liberally use Redmond Real Salt and uh, black pepper, and you're pretty much ready to rock in the world of protein. If we're thinking about vegetables, we want to think about, I I go for five to seven choices of vegetables per week. So first, we always have aliums, and I don't even count that as like a veg choice. So we have, uh, let's see, shallots, onions, uh, we'll have garlic always, and then often we'll incorporate leeks probably like once or twice a month, give or take, or we'll rotate that with chives or scallions. Um, But we're always going to have shallots, onions, and garlic on hand, and both red onions as well as yellow onions, and maybe some Vidalia sweet onions, depending on what's in season and what's fun to work with. Uh, Then I look at five to seven different veg choices. So this could be cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, mushrooms, which are fun to saute down with like thyme in our um, maybe caramelized onions, for instance, Uh, bell peppers, or maybe spaghetti squash would be another consideration here, tomatoes or eggplant when in season. So at least five of those choices, and then always two different types of leafy greens. So we might do lacinato kale, or we might do arugula, or we might do collard greens or rainbow chard, or we might select one of those and then do a tub of the organic girl superfood greens, for instance. Um, And that's a pretty good approach in the world of vegetables. Um, Let's talk carb choices, Becky. Yes. And especially with this coming out in fall timestamp, I think getting inspired by the seasons here is, is really nice. And so, you know, leaning onto those winter squash, like butternut squash, acorn squash, 
um, pumpkin, um, those little, what are they called? The delicata squash. I mm-hmm. love those. And they roast up pretty quickly. Um, and you can eat the skin if desired. So that's yes. like a quick, easy. Um, and those are pretty hearty. So they'll hold up, you know, as leftovers. Maybe you put that over an arugula salad, you know, the day after you make it and, and eat it cold. Um, we'll always have sweet potatoes on hand because that's something, you know, that's a staple for Noah. Um, but potatoes or sweet potatoes or um, the little Yukon gold potatoes or smaller kind of heirloom potatoes to make Brady's famous smash potatoes. Those yes. come in we'll you know, at least at least once, if not twice a month in our household. And those are also delicious for leftovers, like with a fried egg the next day. Um, And then, you know, other roots and tubers. So being inspired by the season here with, you know, beets or turnips or parsnips. And I think that's really where um, doing a CSA can really expose you to maybe some of those roots that you haven't worked with um, and in their freshest form because they often get passed over at the grocery store and kind of not not so happy looking. It's going to be really interesting and you guys can follow along on social as I pick that back up, um, especially when I move into my new home, I'm sure, and I'm in my new kitchen space with better lighting, but it'll be interesting with the Naturally Nourished Market going yeah. to see what types of things I'm eating because I'm basically going to be eating like the garbage can. Yeah, like what doesn't <laughs> I'm going to be sell. like going to the market because I will probably never grocery shop again mm-hmm. and I will be going to the Naturally Nourished Market and being like, okay, there is an abundance of parsnips. Looks like I'm yep. making parsnip soup. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be fun for you guys because I'm sure I'll be coming out with a lot of variety of different recipes as I'm kind of cleaning up the kitchen sink, if you will. But that same mentality occurs with a CSA box, sure. which is Community Supported agriculture and basically you are providing a farmer a um, down payment if you will or prepaying for a season they're able to then forecast and that's a great way for them to have you know planned um, customers and revenue and then output and that really helps them with scaling and so that's also a great way to challenge yourself to not get in a rut and i'll say all of these like roasted carb veg you can have a double experience of when you have them hot in the yep. evening meal and like you said becky on an arugula salad or kale salad or just mixed greens adding acid and then adding maybe like a yummy cheese completely changes the entire profile and experience of eating the leftover of that said roasted carb vegetable totally um and then in the carb world too we would think about fruit so we always buy like two to three containers of berries depending on how quickly noah's going through them um we always have bananas on hand for him um and apples for sure like honey crisp apples or pink lady apples Mm -hmm. Um, and then we might select depending on the season um you know one or two other fruits that kind of stretch the week maybe we're doing grapes or in the summer we do a lot of melon and even grew our own sad little two <laughs> they were delicious melon. but two melons we grew one cantaloupe and one watermelon um and they were delicious but just so tiny and yes you know gone quickly yes but totally plug and play there for yep. sure um let's talk about extending that like idea of different cuts because as you guys can hear we're kind of letting protein drive the bus yes. here because the protein choice and then cut is going to drive what the dish composition looks like yeah and also create your awareness of then what oven space you have and what's available for your sides and then you kind of just plug in a veg that feels complementary 
savory in that flavor profile and also that works well with your kitchen space. So if we're thinking about the combination of the the types of equipment we have, we want to think about utilizing our oven to like roast protein and vegetables, um, using our crock pot um, as a way to braise down tender meats. And yes, I do use my crock pot all the way through the year, even when it's 100 plus degrees in Texas. Um, I think of cast iron skillet and often we'll have two or three cast iron skillets being employed in my household for a dinner um, because sometimes we'll roast in the oven on a cast iron skillet and then sometimes we'll use otherwise stainless steel cooking sheets. And as I'm saying this, we'll also link our Amazon store, which has some of our favorite selections of cooking equipment. Um, And we can maybe highlight a couple links of some of these. And then we think about utilizing the grill, at least, you know, some of you living in areas where it's getting quite cold now, um, we still think of the grill in October with football season. Um, And, you know, maybe for some of us, 12 months of the year, for some of us, you know, 10 months of the year. But don't forget about the grill as an option for just variety and texture. And then um, we also could use stock pots on burners if we're talking about um, soups or, you know, parboiling like the Brady smashed potatoes or something like that. So thinking of rotation of kind of what's being done where will help you also put together what vegetable sides work well with your selected protein and let protein take the primary or priority as far as its space and the equipment required for it. Yep. And it saves you time too. So if you're using your oven, you know, to roast maybe two sheet pans of vegetables that are going to be tonight's dinner and also leftovers for tomorrow, and then you're using your stovetop to, you know, sear a protein to go along with that, you're maximizing your space. And it's just about getting your prep down and getting your timing down. I still work in this with Byron where I'm like, you could have roasted the cauliflower while you were making the pork chops. And he's very like, kitchen must be clean, mise en place, one thing at a time. And I'm always like, well, the water should be boiling already. So like thinking through the steps and what's going to take the longest time, thinking through the steps of, you know, do I roast my cauliflower at 425 and then I need to drop the oven temperature um, to put something else in along with it, you know, for the last 15 minutes or something like that. Maybe I'm going to do my fish at, you know, a lower temperature um, roasted in the oven or uh, finish something in the oven and we have to drop it. So kind of conceptualizing throughout the meal, what takes the longest? Start that part first. You will thank yourself later. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, I can't tell you how many dinners same thing if the husband's in charge sometimes it's like well we're eating our salmon and asparagus and our uh veg because i cut really skinny sweet potato fries uh as far as our starchy veg goes but that cauliflower is going to end up being tomorrow night's dinner (laughs) yeah because we still have a good 22 minutes on that exactly and i like it crispy and crunchy um i'd also note that when you're filling up and maxing your oven be mindful that you may need to increase your cooking temperature so if it's set at you know 425 and that's where you want to get that caramelization and that nice flavor profile and you have two cast irons up top and a full sheet pan at the bottom you may need to up that to 450 or 475 to really get that desired temperature And then I know we always get questions on how we store um, both leftover like ingredients, uh, maybe chopped herbs or something like that, um, and also how we store leftovers. So let's talk about that for a second. So we want to think about, of course, toxicity as the primary as well as uh, utilization. So Pyrex is one of my favorites because it's glass. 
Yes, it does have a plastic lid, but I never pack my food to the point that food is at all touching the plastic lid. And what I love about Pyrex is it's oven safe. So you don't have to, when you're heating leftovers, Mm -hmm. you actually can just take that lid off and put that Pyrex into the oven and let things reheat. Um, So that's kind of my favorite go-to as far as glass storage containers. And what I love is really cheap price point. You can find them everywhere. Um, you know, they're at like Target and Walmart Costco and everything. Costco always has yes. good sets And there's those them. kits, yep. you know, yep. so you can kind of get all of the things. Um, we'll also link our Amazon store with our favorite storage containers. Like we lean towards um, the stainless steel options for kids' lunch containers for sure. Um, and then the biggest thing you want to think about is avoiding leaching. And so if there was plastic, like, you know, currently the yogurt that I'm using, even though it's farmer's market yogurt, um, it's going to be in plastic and it's still grass fed, low heat processed. And, you know, that's an okay choice. Um, but I would make sure that if I was to reuse that yogurt container, for instance, if I made a batch of bone broth, I might use that yogurt container, but I first would chill my bone broth in the fridge and then transfer it cold to that plastic, not pouring it in even lukewarm because I don't want any of that plastic to leach into my said bone broth. And then if I'm reheating it, um, I do like using the plastic over glass for reheating bone broth because I can pop it out of the plastic Mm -hmm. really easy and heat it in a stock pot. Whereas if I use glass, it's hard to rapidly thaw. So then I'm like trying to run hot water. It's just like one more step. Whereas I could just take that, that huge, you know, two quart chunk of broth and pop that right out easy into my stock pot and start um, simmering that and bringing that down nicely. Yes. We've broken way too many of the big mason jars that I've also shifted to plastic for the most part for, um, you know, my frozen bone broth. Although my fond is always still shelf stable. I love beautiful. Beautiful little jars, but can't pack my own bone broth that way yet. Yes. Um, And then we talked about thinking of um, meal planning as a matrix here. So what do you prioritize? I think dinners probably in our household get like the most emphasis and that drives the direction for everything else. Yeah. I mean, I... Uh, just real quick on lunches, I like to have a salad at least twice a week for lunch, but these are not clinic days for me because when I am busy in the clinic and I have a bunch of patients or even podcast days, like we're doubling down now, getting ready for Becky's maternity. And so, you know, when we're doing long work days that often are a little bit higher stress, I really like to rely on a smoothie made with grass-fed whey. Um, It's a really great way for me to ensure I can get all of my needs of nutrients, especially that protein quota met, and I'm able to add in antioxidants like herb seasoning spices so I can add in turmeric root or I can add in ginger. I can add maca in there. I can get my lacinato kale if I know that the evening meal is not going to be a salad or have kale chips or braised greens. Um, And so using grass-fed whey, and making different smoothies like I would say four times a week for lunch and then twice a week doing a salad which might be like a brunch salad or a leftover salad that I just recompose from maybe some of the accoutrement or toppings from the night before that works for me for lunches Um, and on that vein I will note that we also have I don't think we mentioned it for a couple episodes our smoothie and protein shake ebook. So um, using the naturally nourished grass-fed way as a way to get a way as a way um, to get your protein goals met. 
uh, is a fabulous tool and this could be used as a meal replacement or a nourishing meal for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Yes. Um, so just to call that out and we will link that ebook. It's just $1.99 so we can't even give you a discount because it's a buck ninety nine. Yep. Just um, throw it in next time you order supplements. Yeah. Great impulse buy but off- awesome variety so you don't get in a rut there. So matrix of a smoothie or protein shake would be one thing to definitely consider. Then when I'm thinking of my evening meals for dinners, I like to have like a soup or salad uh, one day of the week. I like to have, again, that Monday slow cooker type, slow braise, and I'll often, just to mix it up, I'll take that slow braise and pan sear it. Um, so I'd still get like a nice crunch. Um, so I'll take a little bit of lard or tallow in my cast iron, and as I'm pulling the meat off the bone, um, I'll sear some of that so that you get a really good flavor profile and that's dynamic from maybe the stewed vegetables in that dish sure. so it's not just a bowl of mush if yep. you will <laughs> and then um i love taco tuesday we're big fans of taco tuesday in this house and so this could rotate from fish tacos uh like the mahi mahi tacos that we have in the keto meal plan or as you mentioned the anti-anxiety diet um almond flour dredged um fish tacos which are one of my most famous recipes out there. Uh, we could also, of course, do ground beef tacos, carnita tacos. So a lot of variety there, but I love a good old Taco Tuesday. And then I like a ground meat um, option on Thursday with Wednesday being leftovers. So Thursday could be like meatballs or a burger patty. And again, the burger patty could be a combination of pork and turkey. It doesn't have to be just a grass-fed beef burger all the time. Um, same goes with meatballs. So we have a bunch of different flavor profiles. You don't always have to think of tomato sauce with meatballs. You can go more savory Asian flavor profile or really carrying that umami flavor profile or like my Greek uh, flavored meatballs, which have a really copious amount of fresh herbs in them and work with lamb, or you can use organ meats in your meatballs is a great way to ramp up that nutrient density. Um, and then um, something again, seared is going to be kind of that option. And then a really fun dynamic recipe where the recipe is the event of the day and that still leaves what we call in our meal plans a wild card if you will or an opportunity to dine out and then just strategically apply your goals of basically thinking of trading out the grains for greens keeping mindful of the total carb load basically channeling savory and thinking of protein dominant with non-starchy veg yes and you mentioned already kind of the lunch strategy of it's smoothie or salad and i often encourage clients you know when we're starting out with meal planning i'm like we're gonna find three two to three recipes that work for you so one is a smoothie and you can experiment through the entire ebook and find your one smoothie, or you can do a different one each week uh, that you buy the ingredients for. One is some form of salad, um, or like a the Mediterranean tuna salad or a mm-hmm. chicken salad that we can then put over greens for a couple of days. Um, and then one is often an adult lunchable, which we've talked a ton about, but I'll link our adult lunchable um, blog with some great options just for mixing that up like a matrix from things that are already cooked and already in your fridge. Um, same applies to breakfast if you're eating breakfast, but I will say that intermittent fasting helps to take that meal off the table and like out of the equation so you don't have to think about it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my body is absolutely primed and has been for five plus years now not eating before noon. 
And that's my natural rhythm of my body. And I would say that's one of the biggest pieces of advice, again, of staying consistent. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not rigid about it. If there's extra bite of Stella's Siete Tortilla egg burrito situation, I'm going to like eat the plate maybe. Yeah. <laughs> because again, I don't think of fasting as an on and off light switch. And I'm like, oh, well, I am going to Pilates. So I'll just take that last bite in my mouth and head out the door. Um, but I'm always making sure that I get that 20 grams of protein following exercise and I really lead with that first meal around noon give or take and um, then it's usually like a snack and then that evening meal is how I distribute and snacks could be thought of as like half of an adult lunchable if you will or you could combine two snacks together to make an adult lunchable so it could be pistachios with a yummy aged raw cheese maybe some torn up dried mango and some um, salami from some quality pasture-raised salami like salamaria and then maybe half an avocado with a drizzle of olive oil and coarse salt uh, and that all works really beautifully and you could just pick kind of a couple of those if you're needing something to nosh on between that protein shake or salad and then following up with that evening meal probably six hours later or so. Yep and that's with the snacks often I encourage clients to having two to three options that are their snacks for the week. Like that is it. We're not going to go into the pantry and be, you know, hunting for somebody's chips or, you know, digging into yes. the ice cream. It's like we have committed to pistachios and cheese, mango and, you know, macadamia nuts and pork rinds and guacamole as our three snacks. And if none of those sound good, you're probably not hungry. And um, maybe we sip tea yes. or um, some bone broth just <laughs> to kind of get your mind off of, of food and provide some protein and some nourishment. Or maybe that's when we take a GABACOM yes. and, and take a walk. Absolutely. GABACOM is a powerful player because it's a neuroinhibitory chew of bioidentical GABA. And that is going to aid with that like inhibition um, lower, you know, that like um, when we feel like stress lowers our inhibition and then we lose our discipline, GABA can actually aid with impulse control and it also can help specifically with cravings. Um, and it kind of vents that steam train of what we're holding in our body as stress, which drives that like external seeking. So I love to use GABA Calm as a way to get consistent results, especially during what I call the witching hour, which is different for each individual. For some people, it might be that transition time from work time to home. For others, it might be following their dinner meal um, as they're like doing their me time and they feel like they deserve a treat. Um, this is often a really good technique to chew one to two GABA calm. And that is a calorie free way to lower your stress valve and reduce cravings and really get sustained outcomes. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit, Becky, as we bring today's episode to a close about like modifying meals for the household and preventing being that short order cook. Sure. So, <laughs> you know, I think nothing is more frustrating than when we make a really nourishing meal and then husband or kids or, you know, I don't know, other household members are not willing to consume or maybe, um, you know, don't want what we're making. So this kind of reminds me of our food is medicine for the whole family program. We have a video in there literally called Making It Happen. And this is where we talk about strategizing uh, the food as medicine approach for all household members. And then we also have a video on um, Balance Kids Snacks. We have a video on working with... Um, 
your taste adventurer. So helping your children's palate to adjust to be more savory and understand bitter flavor profiles. If you're new to this food as medicine movement and you want your whole household on board, definitely check out the food as medicine for the whole family program. It is comprehensive, all ages of the lifestyle, uh, life cycle, excuse me, from birth all the way through elderly. There's just such an abundance of resources in there, but I would say, you know, a good 20 to 30% of it is about figuring out what my family needs. So how much protein does my nine-year-old versus my 17-year-old need? And how much protein does my husband versus myself need? We go down through carbs, proteins, and fats, and you have a different downloadable worksheet that you can use per household member. And then we help you understand when you're making said dishes, how to modify them for your household. So maybe let's talk about some of things to consider there. Sure. So like tacos, for example, on Taco Tuesday, if the kids are like, ooh, it's too spicy, um, maybe we pull a portion of taco meat for them. You know, we've added cumin, but we haven't added cayenne and chili powder or chopped jalapenos or whatever the spicy component is. Um, And so their taco meat is a little bit different. Um, And maybe they like shredded cheese on top and that gets them to, you know, eat that protein. Um, And then I think about what are we serving um, the taco meat on as the base. So you know, I would probably just opt for a bed of leafy greens or while pregnant or breastfeeding, I might do one siete tortilla and then like another portion over the leafy greens as kind of a a side um, there, but doing a siete tortilla for myself and Noah. And then if your husband like must have the corn (laughs) tortilla, which I think both of our husbands are on board with siete at this point, Mm -hmm. but um, if we're not quite there yet, sure, a non-GMO, you know, organic corn tortilla that doesn't have a bunch of crappy ingredients in it could be kind of that third level of modification that yes, you have to heat the tortilla, but you don't have to become the short order cook, if you will. Yes. And you might find that you negotiate with that household member of, hey, if I make you black beans with the nopalitos broth and they're spicy black beans and we put some sliced jalapenos on there, that that gets your fill. And then, you know, that fills the void of the lacking of tortilla. Right, right. Uh, So it's all about having conversations and having an open dialogue with the other household members to understand what their likes and dislikes are and beyond what their likes and dislikes are, the whys behind it. (laughs) Otherwise, you're really shooting in the dark. If you allow your children or your partner to just say, I don't like that, and you don't inquire on the why, then you're setting yourself up for failure in the world of meal planning because you're not going to understand what levers to adjust to in enhance acceptance with these types of dishes. Um, So often a way, like with Stella, she had such a long time where she wouldn't eat anything that she defined as stringy, Mm -hmm. which would be, she'd be like, no stringies. (laughs) Um, And this is like age three to four, basically. And so what we would do is, this is like shred, like if we did um, short ribs, or if we did carnitas, or if we did a pot roast. So what we would do is we would take that slow braised meat, and then we would take one siete tortilla, and we'd fold it into a quesadilla. So that then when we sliced it into those triangles, she didn't have that stringy. (laughs) Um, And so it's a really beautiful way for her to still get the same nourishing meal that I made, but just make that one modifiable. And then she's not just eating burger and sweet potato fries and that we're dumbing down her palate to think that that's her only option that she quote unquote likes. Yep. Yep. And gives them autonomy too of like, 
that they heard me as to why I don't want this yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Um, and yeah, lots more on this um, in our Naturally Nourished Foodist Medicine for the whole family program. So this program is really comprehensive to support, you know, your entire family. We're looking at five plus hours of original new video content, um, going through everything from a pantry clean out and reset to how to navigate the grocery store and actually read an ingredient label, um, to managing macros for yourself and your family, getting your family on board, that kids taste adventure, which is a huge hit natural tools for immune support and so, so much more. Plus we've curated within it 20 plus handouts. A lot of them actually geared toward meal planning and grocery prep. Um, and a lot of the things we've talked about today and a bonus a hundred plus hours of, uh, podcast curated content and video resources as well. So it's all indexed and there for you based on the stage of life cycle from fertility through gentle aging. So you can check that out at AllieMillerRD.com as well as the mentioned keto meal plans, 12-week keto meal plans. And we do have that code KETO10 to save $10 off of that option. And then also while you're there, you might want to throw in that smoothie ebook for just $1.99. Let's just wrap up, Becky, as we're recording this in the future um, with what you're doing with your nesting mode as as baby you is on the way, baby number two. Um, Let's just kind of talk about what's going on with your freezer stash. Sure. Yeah. I'm like six to seven weeks out. I don't even know actually how many weeks I am, but somewhere (laughs) around there um, at the time of recording. And I got hit with the nesting bug like hard two weeks ago where I'm like, okay, everything I make at least once a week, I'm going to have something that goes into the freezer stash, both to nourish myself um, and also to make sure Noah is getting a nourishing breakfast and lunch option because dad's going to be packing his lunch there for a little bit and that could get dicey. Uh, I don't know what what Byron thinks goes into a school lunch, but he'll need to watch our program videos again to remind him. Um, but basically, I'm, I'm making something that I know will yield a good amount of leftovers. So, so far into the freezer stash, um, I've made a triple batch of the almond butter banana pancakes. So Noah would eat, you know, one batch throughout the week. And then I froze those with parchment paper in between them um, so they can be easily popped out, reheated in our toaster oven for a quick breakfast or like sliced into sticks for a lunch. Love it. Um, I make just super easy, clean sausage patties with the Yonderway um, pan sausage that we love so much. And that can go along with those almond butter pancakes to ramp up the protein. Um, and those freeze super easy and well, and you can just pop out the amount that you need. Um, the carnitas we've talked about, I made a stash of those. And I also did um, our almond flour chicken tenders. It was kind of a hybrid. Um, I wanted to make the pork rind crunchy chicken from the 12-week meal plan, and I got home and realized I forgot pork rinds. And so I combined almond flour and Parmesan cheese and made a really yummy chicken tender uh, version. I'll link both of those recipes for options, um, but froze some of those that um, Noah can heat up uh, for lunch at home or can take you know cold to school. Uh, we also did the keto zucchini fritters and I froze a batch of those same way with the like parchment paper in between. So I'm just kind of slowly working through and really thinking about like, what am I going to want to eat postpartum? Yes. What would be the most nourishing options for myself and my family? And what's going to take a little bit of that pressure off of Byron for having to like 
be my short order cook. Yeah. It'll be kind of fun. Um, and he makes great, you know, like Japanese breakfast and tons of bone broth and took such good care of me with Noah. But this time we've got an extra human in the equation. <laughs> yeah, so trying different. to make life easier. A lot of smoothies I see yeah. in your future too. Yeah, that's, yep. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We, we got to teach him more than his one recipe. So he needs the smoothie ebook too. Yes, totally. So hopefully a couple things in today's episode struck a chord with you and you feel inspired to mix up your meal plan. The last piece of advice I have is just to keep it consistent um, and, you know, really make meal planning a part of your weekly focus and make that the expectation so this isn't uh i have to do something else switch the perspective of using food as medicine as a way to empower yourself to optimize the nourishment of each household member and to really ensure that you're setting up each household member for optimal success thank you for listening to the naturally nourished podcast visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes wellness tips and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at Allie Miller RD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.